Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And I'm Missy Branch. We want to introduce you to women who, through their own unique vocations, are seeing what they do make an eternal difference. And we pray these conversations will inspire you in your own calling to honor God, to image Him to the world through your work, and to leverage your potential for His glory. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before we jump into conversation with our guests today, we want to thank the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary for sponsoring this episode. New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and Level College desire for women to be theologically grounded servants of Jesus who abide in the Word. Their heart is to help women answer God's call to ministry leadership. If that sounds like you, then today visit prepareher.com. Thank you so much, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Right, welcome to the show today. Missy and I are thrilled to have our new friend on the podcast today. We have with us the one and only Macy English. Macy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. That is quite the introduction. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here. I'm glad to be here. We can't wait to just get to know you more, hear more from your heart and what the Lord is doing in you. And um just can't wait to dive in. So um, let me tell you guys a little bit about Macy. Macy is the owner and principal consultant of English Media, where she helps businesses with all things sales and marketing. She is a lover of people, culture, marketing, health, and she strives for all that matters in life. Macy and her husband, JT, live in Arvado, Colorado with their two kids, and they love to travel. And you can find Macy through her website, which is englishmedia.co, or you can look for her on Instagram at Macy English. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Okay. So what we love to do at the beginning of every one of our podcasts is to do what we call three rapid fire questions. It's really a good opportunity to get to know the guests a little better. Let's do it. So I'm going to start us off. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. The first one is, as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Okay. Um, a Broadway singer-dancer. Oh, totally. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Damn. My dad, <clears throat> my dad asked me the question and said, if you can make money doing anything, what would you want to do? And I was like, I'd want to be on Broadway. Oh. I, if I could do that the rest of my life, I'd be happy. <laughs> I wish you were, Macy. I wish you I were. <laughs> I would go see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. No, I love to sing. I love to perform. I love to be on the stage. And so that just was what I wanted to do when I was little. But I had no idea. Like, that is not a viable... I mean, it is. It is viable for career if you're amazingly talented. But, you know, I had other gifts. Things everyone can just go do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Man, I love that the answer, though. That's, that might be one of my favorite answers for that question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then what was your first job? Okay, so my first job, I would say, you know, non-W-2, nannying, babysitting, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, actually applying for a job and getting a paycheck. I was a hostess at a Mexican restaurant here in Colorado called Hacienda Colorado. Yes. And yeah, it was my favorite. They make homemade tortillas and delicious. So yeah, I did that in high school. 
That's awesome. So you and Chelsea Sobelik, do you know Chelsea? She uh, also uh, was a hostess at a restaurant. So well, now two of our guests, this must be a thing with okay. accomplished women. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. At a Mexican restaurant, guys. There you go. Okay. okay, third question. What kind of work do you want to be doing when you're 80 years old? Mm, that is such a good question. Because first, most people would think, I'm not working when I'm 80. <laughs> yes, you are. Maybe not for money. Um, honestly, I would probably say something in the realm of mentorship or giving wisdom, Lord willing, I will have a life well lived at that point. And, um, my daughter, granddaughters, if I have them, women in the church, I just think that that, um, I wish I had that right now of, I have older women in my life for sure. And in our family that pour out wisdom when asked, but I would rather just pour out and love on women uh, when I'm 80 and be able just to encourage them and tell them, it's okay. You're going to make it through the little years. You're going to make it through your job. You're not going to like this job, but it's going to be okay. You know, just in work and family, encourage younger women, mm -hmm, pour into them. Love it. Awesome. So tell us, just give us more about just you, you know, tell us just briefly, where, where'd you grow up, Macy? Um, how'd you yeah. come to faith in the Lord? Just, you know. Mm -hmm. A little bit about my background. Okay. Um, so I was born in Austin, Texas. I'm actually a Texan. Um, but I moved around all the time. Uh, a lot of people would say, Oh, are you in the military? Is your dad in the military? Nope. He's in the ministry. I was okay. a pastor's kid. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, yeah. So, uh, born in Texas. Then I moved to Colorado. Um, then we moved to North Carolina and then we moved back to Colorado. And then in adulthood, I moved to Texas and then Kentucky back to Texas. And now I'm back in Colorado. So I'd like to say the majority of my life has been in Colorado, if that's where people ask where I'm from. Um, and uh, growing up in a ministry household and family, I was the youngest of four, three older brothers. So immediately I was born into community and mm -hmm. learning how to kind of defer to the other people around me. And I can honestly say, I don't remember a day that I don't know who Jesus was. And you know, isn't that the boring testimony we wish for our children, right? That exactly. they would they would yeah. say the same thing. Yes. Um, but I would say about in middle school, in eighth grade, I was doing, I don't know if y'all remember this Bible study or not. Moses is on the cover. It's called Experiencing God. Oh, it was yeah. real popular at that time oh, yeah. okay, in the late 90s. <laughs> anyway, um, I was doing that Bible study and just spending time with the Lord. And I really, I would say at that point, I really made my faith my own. And I said, okay. I have I have faith beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is my risen Savior, and I need Him um, to wipe away all of my sins, past, present, and future, and present me righteous before before God. And um, and if my mom or dad or my brothers or anybody fell away from the faith, I would still hold fast by the power of the Spirit. And and so I would say I don't, I don't really have that day of. This is when I placed my faith in Christ. I mean, I was raised Southern Baptist, so I walked the aisle who knows how many times because I wanted that assurance of salvation. <laughs> um, but by by eighth grade, it really was my faith was my own and then grew in, in sanctification and understanding who God is and learning more about His Word and um, was involved in, in high school and ministry in our youth group here in Colorado. Um, and then in college... Uh, that I joined a um, college ministry, Campus Crusade. It's now known as just Crew. And um, 
my freshman year of college, JT and I lived in, in a co-ed dorm. And that's where we met. That's where I met my husband. Aww. And he did not know the Lord when I first met him. Wow. And a few okay. weeks later, somebody shared the four spiritual laws with him. He came to know the Lord our freshman year of college. So I kind of had this background bringing in, and this will kind of weave through, I'm sure, more of our discussion and time today. But um, I come from the ministry family, and, and JT comes from kind of the corporate family of what does it look like to see a mom who has a corporate job and a dad who works really hard and has a corporate job and, and kind of bring that to the table and how have we kind of teased that out together. So um, I always saw myself, you know, once I got over the Broadway thing and that wasn't going to happen, I was like, well, you know, I looked at my mom. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She wore, she played piano and um, for a couple different like the choir or men's singing group or things like that, depending upon if my dad was at, he had some stints at seminaries where he was a professor and was also a, um, was also a pastor. So I grew up seeing my mom, uh, just model, what does it look like to be a stay-at-home mom and then do some side jobs as well to help provide for the family. Um, and I was like, well, I know how to be a pastor's wife, so I'll probably marry somebody who's in ministry and just kind of thought that was the way that it went. But once I met JT, I was like, oh, well, who knows what the Lord has? So that's a little bit about me and my background and upbringing and kind of gets me to the kind of start of my, my career phase, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's a good, good question. That was going to be my next question for you. How does one go from, okay, Broadway's not going to happen. It's okay. Accept reality. It's fine. You could be a stay-at-home mom, a pastor's wife. I know that world. But now, as Courtney mentioned, you own your own sales and marketing firm. How does that happen? Yeah. Um, uh, by God, you know, just opening doors and closing others. Uh, really, that's the the broad umbrella. But let's see. In in college, I knew I needed to make money, and um, my there was a job opening for a classified ad sales rep for the college newspaper, the Collegian okay. at Colorado State University. Go Rams, babe! <laughs> anyway, so um, so I applied for the job and got it, and I'm just. A natural, I knew that the Lord had wired me in a natural um, interpersonal skills, people mm-hmm. skills, being able to strike up conversation with people. And um, and I just naturally had instincts of being a good salesperson. I knew how to ask the right questions and kind of see if somebody needed a product or service. And so in the interview, they actually asked me, they were like, can you sell coffee creamer? And I was like, Heck yes, I can. I love coffee creamer. And so anyway, I went down this whole thing and then he was like, you have the job. And so that kind of got me into sales advertising, if you will, in college. And then just as JT and I started to grow in our relationship, and honestly, I even met some of his um, family friends who were also in the corporate setting. We were actually at a Denver Nuggets game. And Mm -hmm. one of his family friends looks at me and he was like, you need to go into sales. You need to go into marketing. I was in business. I was in the business school because I knew I wanted to do something in business, taking every gen ed as possible. And I was naturally inclined to math thinking I'm going to be in accounting, economics, something like that. Hated it all. Hated all the math classes. And then I took buyer behavior in marketing. And I was like, this, this right here, this is what I was made for. Like figuring out what do companies and advertisers do to get people to do certain things? Sounds manipulative, but I was like, man, we could really use that for good, you know, of, of achieving certain outcomes based upon how we position ourselves. So I'm kind of taking these classes like that. And then a, and then a family friend is like, you really, you really should go forward in this. And then this job comes available. Long story short, 
we needed to uh, make money because JT was feeling called um, to ministry and decided to go the seminary route because he just, he never grew up in the church. So he didn't feel like he was equipped or trained enough. And so the, the ministries that we were a part of, the answer from people was, you should go to seminary. And, so, and he's like, what's that? And so it's a place where you go outside the church to get trained to come back to the church, basically, was the answer that was given. You know, the irony in that. And so, um, so I, um, he, was, he was pursuing his master's and then he pursued his PhD. And all through that, I said, you know, I'm pursuing my PhD, put hubby through the school, yes. right? Yes. So that's how kind of naturally I was growing my career was... Uh, being in sales and marketing, I worked for different media organizations in Denver and then in Dallas. I worked at the Dallas Morning News and just kind of grew my career. And over those years, JT was just really affirming, like, you're really good at what you do, honey. I know that, you know, at some point we want to grow our family if the Lord has that. And um, But you should really consider how the Lord has wired you and made you. And you're really, really good at this. Mm-hmm. And I just had never re- had anybody really call that out in me. Um, and to, and to really think like, man, my husband loves the Lord and he thinks I can have a career that kind of feels good, you know? Um, so English media, how that came about, um, I was working for a tech startup. I had just had, um, our second child Bailey and, um, and they had to pivot the business. So my position, my position got eliminated and I was like, you know what, this is, this is my, Maybe this is the Lord saying you need to take a step away from your career and you need to just spend some time with the kids. And three months later, I have a coffee with somebody and the Lord just like threw me in business. And I thought, um, I thought to myself all those years, I would love to do something on my own. I would love to, but I'm not qualified. Like major imposter syndrome over here is what I struggle with. And I could never do something like that, but I would, and it all has to be perfect and worked out in order for me to be able to do it. And I just met with someone who was like, yeah, could you put a proposal together of what it would look like for you to consult with us on some marketing? And we could really use your help on this business and this business and this business. And I was like, absolutely. Yeah, I can definitely do that. Okay. I should probably put my business name together. I really need to create an email address. You know, like the Lord just opened the doors and I was like, listen, I want to be faithful with what he, the opportunities he's putting in front of me. So English media became, became a thing. And so I own my own business and work with a lot of um, partners and vendors and kind of bring together um, uh, solutions for small to medium-sized businesses to help them grow their business and solve their problems. So, yeah. Awesome. Macy, you said so much in that answer. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that I was... love it though. I love, <laughs> I mean, here's what I just pulled out of all that. And I feel like this is so yeah. helpful for our listeners. You mentioned how you just realized you were naturally good at your yeah. people skills and and then you could really see how the and other people could see. That's what I also love is mm-hmm. the affirming nature of, you know, JT's corporate friends saw that in you yeah. immediately yeah. when you sold that coffee creamer. They were like, yes, yeah. you are. So it's like you recognize, wait a minute, this is how God has wired me. And then to have all these amazing people come around and lift you up and affirm and say, no, she's good at that. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, don't we need that? I mean, as women, we just mm-hmm. need somebody outside of our own head, because I mean, just like you said, with the imposter syndrome, I mean, don't, I mean, I feel that I feel it all the time. Like I can't do this. And so to have that, the, the community rally around you and say, no, look, she, you can do it, go for it. You know, I just think that's so huge. And then Mm -hmm. I love how the Lord just kind of, 
it it didn't sound like from what you said, okay, I have this, you know, huge plan, this, you know, 10-year plan. I'm going to create this oh, business. No. And th- no, no, no. But the Lord mm-hmm. was like, here, let me, here's an opportunity. Why don't you walk mm-hmm. through this door? And you said, I'm mm-hmm. going to be faithful and I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm so happy. It makes me just like happy inside <laughs> that you went yeah. for it and you're doing it. So yeah. tell us, okay, so you are, you call yourself the owner and principal consultant of English Media. Tell mm-hmm. us just a glimpse of your day-to-day. What does just a typical day for you look like in sales and marketing? And yeah. then also share with us kind of your favorite things that you really, really get into. Yeah. Honestly, that's it's probably the same thing. I've now honed I've realized that you shouldn't be all things to all people. Just do mm-hmm. the things that you really love and 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 outsource what you can outsource to other people. <laughs> love that. Um, so largely, I care a lot about two things, messaging, the words people use to communicate themselves, and strategy. How do we put it all together in order to achieve the goals that we have for the business? And so mm-hmm. day-to-day, um, it looks, it's it's very flexible. I've built my schedule with clients um, to where I can still be available for my kiddos in the home in the hours that I that I need to be. Um, and then also work the hours that I, that I really want to. Clients that I work with are me, small to medium size, usually anywhere from like five to over a hundred em, employees. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially English media would be an outsourced CMO, chief marketing officer okay. for those okay. who are familiar with that. Um, so they don't have enough revenue to justify a full-time position of someone sitting in that role, but they have some people doing the marketing. This person handles email or social media or the website, right? And they need somebody to be able to come in and say, Hey, can you put a strategy and a plan in place? We have these business goals and objectives. We need you to come in and make a plan, right? Tell us what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. How can we make the most with the resources that we do have, whether that be people or revenue, money to spend. Um, and so really having solving people's problems <laughs> when it comes to most business owners got into the business because they love their product or they love their service. They did not get into business thinking, I love marketing. Marketing is amazing. I just want to do that all the time, right? Yes. It's the pain point for a lot of businesses. They know they need to do it because they want to grow. They don't know what they should do. There's all these different blogs and avenues and podcasts telling them, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. Or they look at competitors and think, I'm just going to do what competitors are doing. So I love to step in and just say, hey, I want to take this off your plate so that you can get back to the business that you love. Like you did not get into business to stress about this. Let me take it for you and help you with it. And then we can hopefully achieve some goals that you have. So So this is so good because you've had the opportunity now then to really work with a lot of different people who do a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that pulls a lot of creativity from you and a lot of um, getting to know them on other levels. So what are some of the things that you have learned working from all of the, for all of these different people or with all of these different people from these various businesses? Yeah. I mean, man, that is a great question. I have learned so much. Um, the first thing that comes to mind, honestly, these are people. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to be seen, validated, yeah. heard, um, being patient, kind, you know, godly principles, sure. um, no matter the industry. People are passionate about something. Find something, find really what they want. If, if I could mm-hmm. say like the theme of, because in, in, when I was in like sales and advertising, the key or the, you know, hot term back then was solutions-based selling. So 
trying to find what is the problem or what does this business really want and then providing the right solutions and selling them that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a similar approach. Like doctors do that in medicine, right? They ask you a ton of questions and try to get to the root problem of what's really causing it. They want to treat it so that you feel better. <laughs> Marketers are kind of the same way, right? We want, I want to, what I've learned probably over time is just ask really good questions see people for where they're at, really try to understand what do they really want? They might say they want this, but I don't know if they really do, you know, and kind of digging deeper and finding out how can I really meet this person where they're at and help them with whatever tools that I have available at my disposal. That's awesome. It sounded like it kind of ties back to Macy having recognized who she is and what her skills and her gifts are. And in that recognizing, she is now able to go to other people and say, this is a skill and gift I have, but I'm learning to see you too. And now if you would see you, if you see your product and your business as an actual thing, then we can begin to get your voice out there in a way that's authentic to you and not just copying the next business. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really it's, similar. it's so helpful to, to businesses. I mean, it really is such a, a helpful, um, I'm not going to say product that you supply for them, but what you mm-hmm. do for them actually helps them accomplish their goals. So it's just really yeah. a neat way to And honestly, that. Courtney, that is, that's what gives me joy. That's what keeps me going. Like I actually, when you have that moment of your, of looking across the table or Zoom screen, you know, welcome to the world we're in right now. Um, and someone's like, that makes that, that right there, that makes so yeah. much sense. You're like, yes, that is why I do what I do. I love it so much. Like I absolutely love my job. And if there was encouragement, I would want to give to any of your listeners as far as like, well, what do I do with my career? And there's so many different options. And like, there's tons of people saying like, you know, if you want to know how to be an influencer, people can teach you about that. You know, oh, I want to be an influencer. Well, you probably don't. Okay. Just listen. <laughs> you probably don't want to be an influencer. Um, but they, so many people are trying to tell you what you should be. And I really think like if I can encourage women just in the themes that are kind of even coming up in our conversation, really go before the Lord and ask him, you wired me. The Lord wired you in a very specific way. There's only one of you in the whole world. And the Lord has um, a task and a job for you. It might be carrying a briefcase. It might be carrying a diaper bag, right? Work is not defined by, in my opinion, the money that we bring in, but the um, the good work that we do before the Lord to take dominion over creation and where he has planted our feet, right? And looking around and being able to say, okay, where does the Lord have me? What am I gifted with right now? What do I need to provide for? What? How can I be a good steward of where he's placed me right now? Um, sometimes good stewardship is you have to go to work. I know in some of the circles that I've been in, it um, some people frown upon women working uh, alongside their husband and they should be at home with kids. And that is a beautiful and awesome thing. But in some cultures and in some places, that's a very, that's a high privilege that we would not need two incomes to be able to provide for the family and to recognize and thank God that he has given you that gift. But also like, where does the Lord have you right now? And the best stewardship might be, you might need to do something that brings in income for the family because there are certain needs and requirements that we have for the, to do the task that the Lord has called us to in this place. Um, Yeah. And I could, I could go on that for a long time, but I'll, I'll wrap it up there. But just as like a encouragement to listeners, 
ask friends around you, wise counselors, outside people who meet you for the first time, like, hey, do you see a natural ability in me? Do you see me gifted in certain things? Um, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that I can do that for my kids and call out in them what I see their natural abilities to be and then helping them find something that they love to do. Because man, it it brings so much joy when you use the gifts that the Lord has given you to glorify Him and be a good steward of what He's given you. It's like this unending circle of joy, like glorify the Lord and, and you feel joy. Glorify mm-hmm. the Lord, it feels more joy, you know? <laughs> so um, anyway, so yeah, that's that's what I'd, I'd encourage the listeners to, to consider. No, I think that's so important, especially what you, you mentioned there about just having two incomes. I mean, it's a necessity for a lot of people. It's not an option. Mm-hmm. And so- yeah. Um, you know, to, to have women feel frowned upon for working when that's actually serving their family and, and is, is providing for their children. Um, we mm-hmm. would never want those women to feel that way. And so, um, did you personally, Macy, since, you know, your husband's a pastor, he's in ministry, you know, you even mentioned how you kind of grew up seeing your mom mm-hmm. as a pastor's wife playing piano mm-hmm. and staying home. Yeah. Was there ever a conflict or a tension um, either just internally with you to work outside of the home since your husband was in ministry or did, uh, I mean, you already mentioned his kind of affirmation of you, but what about yeah. church members' expectations? Was there ever any tension there um, with what they thought their pastor's wife should be doing <laughs> during the day? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a that's a great hot topic question you gave me there, <laughs> Courtney. Um yeah, so coming alongside JT in, in in ministry, we ultimately knew, I mean, he he had full-time jobs at um when he was in school in seminary pursuing degrees, and so did I. And then and then it was kind of like this, well, what are you gonna do once the babies come? And what are you gonna do once he's out of school and you're in a role, you know, and where the Lord placed us in school, there was a lot of pressure from various conversations or questions that would be asked of me. Oh, you work? Oh, but you guys don't have kids yet, you know? And and just by even the question, it's yeah. it's and they're well-meaning and they want to know more about you, but there's a way of being a pastor's wife or a way of being in ministry that looks a particular way um that not in all cities or countries or States is that possible, um, and so for us, it was it was a matter of stewardship of how can I best, and even stewardship of like if the Lord has gifted and equipped me to be a really good salesperson or really good marketer, would He say I was faithful if I wasn't exercising that gift? Exactly, you know? right? And so it's not just faithfulness and like providing an income, but it's also like I've given you skills and talents. Like if we look at the parable of the talents, please don't waste them. You know, and that is going to look different from season to season. And when we were, um, when we were in Texas, um, at 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 our previous church, the Lord used me particularly with a smaller group of women who had passions to work and they really loved their job. It actually made them a better wife or a better spouse. Or, um, there was a single woman who went through our year long, the, at the church we had, there was a, um, year long training Institute program, discipleship program for a year, very intensive in um, biblical theology, systematics, you know, uh, spiritual formation, all those things. 
And she's a corporate executive at Frito-Lay in Dallas, right? Their big headquarters is there. And she's like, I need to quit my job and become a missionary. And I'm like, whoa, 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 sister. (laughs) No, like, let's talk about this. I was like, do you know anybody else who knows as much about the Lord and loves the Lord as much as you do with the training and how he's equipped you right now in the local church? Is there anybody at Frito-Lay that you know that loves the Lord? No. Why in the world would you leave? Why? Like, the Lord has placed you there to image him rightly, to be a missionary to the people that are around you, to make choices in particular ways that honor the Lord. Um, that please don't leave. Please stay there. He's gifted and equipped you in a specific way to push forth the mission of God in a corporate setting. So that kind of the answer to that question kind of took a turn, but the there's just so much wisdom in that. There was so yeah. much wisdom in thinking through again. God gave you certain gifts, not for you to not use them. And that does not mean that as a mom in the house, you can't use certain gifts. I've learned that a lot of the things I'm incorporating now in my career, I used at home. But I do think that we forget that we are supposed to be entire people who Mm -hmm. have a, a call on us prior to being someone's wife and prior to being someone's mom, and that we're responsible to walk that call out. Mm hmm. So there are going to be a lot of women who will hear this who have probably had to navigate this same thing. What are some of the wisdom principles that you held on to as you were walking through some of these tensions and even as you were encouraging other women? Yeah. Um, honestly, when people say, when, when you ask that question, the first thing that comes to mind is God's attributes. And as someone who's a doer more mm-hmm. than a beer, right? Um, (laughs) I like to do and take action and those kinds of things. It's really easy for me to think about what does God want me to do? Mm -hmm. And the more important question is who does God want me to be? And I want to be kind, lovely, holy, um, gentle, patient, um, self-deferring, right? To To honor who God has made me to be, but also to um, see how can I how can I lay myself aside in order to serve the person next to me? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say through all of that, I want to make sure that I'm imaging God rightly and his character traits and who he's called me to be, not what he's called me to do. Like my doing flows from my being. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah, that's really good. So I'm thinking about what you mentioned there um, when JT was in school. I think I think you said when he was in school and you would kind of get questioned, oh, so you're working or, oh, it's because, you know, you don't have kids yet. Um, some of this uh, feeling there of you should be doing something else because yeah. of some, you know, presupposition they have about what women <laughs> who are married to pastors should be doing. Um, yeah. So how did the Lord equip you to really be gracious? And this kind of actually probably flows with what you just answered there, but to really be gracious um, and charitable toward people who maybe just don't have this vision of stewardship like you yeah. do, you know, and even yeah. now, I don't know if this is still a problem now, but um, I think a lot of women feel this. I should be doing yeah. something else. And then to have that mm-hmm. outward negativity coming at you like, yeah, you actually really should. Um, so how can we respond to other people in a way that shows 
yeah, we do love you. And, but God yeah. called me to something. Mm-hmm. I think first it starts with a personal conviction of what has God called me to do and remind yourself first and foremost, God has called me to obey him. Okay. And so coming from a place of that and then wrapped with a ton of humility and grace, extending that charity to the person that's asking you those questions or, you know, maybe they haven't done the work that you've done. And I don't mean work as in corporate work, but like Mm -hmm. understanding that work is a call, whether in the home or out of the home by God, he has said, this is your assignment for right now in this season. And maybe they haven't gone through that yet. Maybe this is an opportunity that you could invite them into a conversation, depending upon your relationship and, you know, how they go about that. My encouragement would be first remind yourself, like, there will be critics of people always. If you're doing something that matters, somebody's going to not like it. You know, you will have, I mean, look at the Sermon on the Mount, right? Blessed are you who are persecuted when others revile revile you and persecute you and say false things about you. This will happen when you are following in the way of Jesus, that he's of what he's called you to do. So don't be surprised by it, but also how would Jesus respond to these people? He would continue to invite them into a way of being in the world where that we are gentle and lowly people who are seeking to love God and love our neighbor. And so even in your response to what you should do, remember what is most important is what God has called me to And then I want to invite this person who is bringing, you know, feedback into my life (laughs) and and invite them into a conversation of really considering these things, if if it's appropriate, depending upon the relationship. That's good. That's really helpful. Um, Another question I think that would be helpful to some of our listeners is what advice, like how would you help women who view their non-ministry jobs as a way to glorify God, because it may be secular in that that's you're employed yeah. by Frito Lay. Yeah. Um, but we all know that we can image him. So, what advice would you give those type of women? Yeah. I would say the way, think about, I'm going to, instead of being um, kind of my answer previously was about his character and just, I'm, it sounds bad that I would say not to be overly biblical or spiritual, but brass, you know, brass tacks to help people, mm. the decisions make, the problems that you solve, the spreadsheets that you build, how you treat a coworker, how you greet people in the morning, how you wrestle in a conference room when you disagree with your coworkers, your way of being will communicate something to everyone around you in your job. The, the, how you challenge people, how you submit to authority, um, ethically, are you, are you doing things the right way? Are you trying to cut corners, right? Mm-hmm. Are you loving your neighbor? And then just simply like, man, there have been so many times I've had coworkers in the past who have lost loved ones, walked through miscarriage. They broke up with their boyfriend, right? Um, they think they might lose their job. Mm-hmm. People, people's lives are crumbling all around us, no matter if where, you, where you're at. And just to be a person of peace and love who can listen and... Um, yeah, love the people around you. That's how I would say you can image God rightly, right where you're at is in your daily tasks, the mundane tasks. How would Jesus do these tasks? How can I rightly be the person that he's called me to be? And then also, how can I love the people that are around me? I love that. And I feel like just as you were sitting here talking, I just kept thinking of the phrase salt and light. 
just being mm-hmm. salt and light in the world. Yes, and that's what he's yes, called so us to. And I think mm-hmm. for us as women, we've got to take the responsibility of abiding in Christ so seriously so that we have the power to, you know, display those fruits of the spirit um, around those coworkers, you know, because if we're, mm-hmm. you know, trying in our own strength to love, we're going to burn out ourselves and we don't want to mm-hmm. become part of the, the office problem. Right. So mm-hmm. we really need mm-hmm. to walk in the Lord and in the power of his spirit. Are there specific ways um, just in sales and marketing, Macy, mm-hmm. that you think, wow, when I do this, you know, I'm thinking about what you talked about a minute ago with just messaging and words. Yeah. I don't know. I'm curious to hear what you think, though. Mm-hmm. Is there a, a specific way um, you think, man, this really reminds me of Jesus when I do this specific thing in this specific sphere, you know? Yeah. Honestly, it's when there's that aha moment for the customer or for a client that I'm working with, or you genuinely help people. Like when people, I think about a leper who Jesus healed Mm -hmm. and the reaction that he would have. Oh my goodness. And this is amazing. And that, I know that it might sound superficial, but that does happen in sales and marketing, like helping people get the products they need or the services that they need and reducing chaos. That that's another way to put it. Yeah. God is a God of making order out of chaos. Mm -hmm. And when people experience order, whether it is a clear message that is easy to understand, or it is an easy transaction and you're not, your website is not confusing to me. um, I think that bring the Lord delights in that. I am creating beauty in my everyday job by taking things that are chaotic in businesses and um, bringing order and simplicity out of that. And so that, that's what brings me joy. I think that's how I can do that in sales and marketing. And it's really amazing when you think about disorder, how Mm -hmm. frustrating it is to have to deal with, you know, especially just dealing just in the public. I mean, just going in stores and needing good customer Mm -hmm. service, you know, it's crazy how that disorder just, it's just evidence of the fall you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then when we can be people who say, no, I'm going to take dominion over this. And, and I'm going back to, you know, Genesis 128 with the creation mandate there, but subduing the earth and ruling over sure. these things in a way that would please the Lord. Sure. It really does bring just peace and flourishing and, you know, praise God that you're getting yeah. to do that. Um, kind of piggybacking off that. Are there any specific ways that you have had the opportunity to use some of your quote work skills um, mm-hmm. that would, you know, benefit the church or even uh, JT mm-hmm. himself or your home or ministry or, you know, yeah. have any of those things been able to kind of go over? Yeah, I have wanted to do this for so, so long to be able to serve the church in the ways that God's gifted me in. And um, at the previous church that we were at, it was very large and there was a whole staff of people who were in communications, technology and all of that. And then um, in March of well, I guess April of 2020, right after the pandemic hit, my husband got called to be the lead pastor of Storyline Church here in Arvada. And um, there were definitely some some holes or some gaps to be filled from the communications and technology side. But as we are very clear in our church, I am a faithful member. This was not a two-for-one deal. You didn't hire my husband and then you get me on staff <laughs> yeah. as well for free. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to be a faithful member. And then at some point we will feel the Lord give me the open door to be able to serve the church in this way. So I, about a year ago, kind of stepped in from the technology and communication side. So helping with, we redid our website and just clean up some 
connections for databases and various things on the back end, all things that are very boring to anybody who's listening right now, but <laughs> it fires me up and I love right. making order out of chaos in those, in those realms. And, and, you know, the unique part about that, um, is that it's very unseen. And mm-hmm. so there can be, I do have to fight the urge of people will question like, well, we're not really seeing Macy serve the pastor's wife. We're not really seeing her serve in the church. What is she doing? And it's like, well, I actually like um, being a little bit on the back back end of things yeah. and understanding how it all works together. But that that's how I've been able to serve recently as of late um, with the unique skills God's given me. And it's it's been a real joy. Great. So, but you are a self-professed Enneagram 3 who loves to get things done. So talk about the challenges of accomplishing all the things in this current season of your life. And Ooh. what is God teaching you about yeah. what it means to be a doer in this yeah. season? Yeah. So I was exposed to the Enneagram uh, about eight years ago. And I was like, listen, I've taken thousands of personality tests in my career to so that my boss knows how to coach me, blah, blah, blah. Like, listen, I don't need to take any more. I know I'm some lion retriever, whatever, ENFP. <laughs> and so I thought, I don't need another one. But the more that I read, I thought I was a two because most Christian women read the two and they're like, well, I'm a helper. I'll help anybody do anything. Right. Yeah. And then, um, but then I started reading more about the three and I was like, oh no, this, this gets really at my motivations. And so the, the Enneagram has been a, been a tool for me to understand who God has made me to be, how he's wired me so that I can understand where my weaknesses are and also where my strengths are. Right. It's not, a, it's not a tool to give us license to then you know, be your number to the full extent, girl. You know, it's like, well, actually lay that number down. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> figure out how we can, in humility, serve all the other eight types that are around us, right? Todd Wilson recently w- wrote a really great book called um, Take the Enneagram to Church. And uh, he, he, he presents at the very beginning why, if all truth is God's truth, then the Enneagram, knowing who we are and how God's wired us, would be something that we would want to know because it's God's truth about us. And so he really brings a redemptive side to it, but also in church and in ministry or just in life, we do not want to, we want to people that welcome all types around us and not push them away. And certain personalities lend toward one or the other. And so I think in this current season, as I'm getting to know myself a little bit more, I have a tendency to take on, take on, take on, take on. And I have just, I hit a breaking point, honestly, being a little vulnerable at the end of last year, at the end of 2021, Um, and I was like, I just can't, I can't keep doing this at all. And a dear friend of mine said, you know what? I think you might need to slow down so that you can speed back up. Mm. And I was like, that, that's a word right there, you know, of just really understanding that I am a human being. I'm not a human doing. And, but, but I so operate in my, as an Enneagram three, I, I, how I make the world not hurt as much, right? How do I cope with the brokenness of the world? is by doing and thinking. We're all doing thinking and feelings, beings. And I suppress my feelings. It's like, who's got time for feelings? Like, I don't need to go to therapy. I need to get stuff done. You know, this is a waste of time. (laughs) (laughs) We'll save that for another podcast, Missy. Another podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so in this current season, that looks like not, it's hard because I see it as opportunity of like, I want to take on more clients. I have more opportunity coming in. And I'm like, Lord, is this faithfulness right now? Will I be able to be a good steward of the thing, only the things that I can do? 
I'm the only mom to my kids. I'm the only wife to my husband. Those things, no one else can, I can't outsource that to anybody, Never. right? And so in the moments of, of being stressed, I can look at what does health look like for me? And in a, um, as, a, as a three, when a three is healthy, they go to six. They take the best parts of the six. And that, what that looks like is I don't need credit. I can be on the I can be on the team, but I don't need to know anybody. I don't nobody needs to know that I was a part of it, right? Mm. And so how can I think about that of being a valuable contributor in the spaces that I'm in without needing the credit, without needing the trophy and the reward because I mean our culture and especially our economy, man, it was made for Enneagram 3s, right? I mean, it was this whole, it rewards Enneagram 3s, it props us up, like, and so it is so easy and quick to get into a cycle um, that is just not healthy at all. And so reading more about it and and doing some self-examination and taking that before the Lord and, and humility saying, what do I need to add and what do I need to take away? That that's the season I'm finding myself in, Missy, right now. And it's, so great. yeah, I can see the Lord changing my affections for things in certain ways. And so I'm, I'm, a, I'm really appreciative of that. That's a good hard work to have to yeah. really step back and say, okay, Lord, I mean, I only have this much capacity. My yeah. heart's this big, don't want to do it all, but I've, yeah. we have to walk in wisdom and mm-hmm. take care of our bodies. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. we don't talk enough about that, but it's such a huge aspect of just who we are as humans. Um, so great mm-hmm. answer there. Well, Macy, as we close, what is one piece of advice that you would leave with women who want to honor God through their vocational callings? Yeah, I would say that the image of what really comes to mind is a garden and where has God placed your feet, right? We see a story of scripture starts in a garden um, and it ends in one, right? The Lord's going to bring heaven back to earth and we're going to be cultivating beautiful things. And so that image is really helpful for me to know that like, Courtney, your your plot of land where the Lord has your feet is very different than mine. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to look at where you're at, what fruit and what what trees, what things you're growing can be very different than what I am. And so I would say my encouragement would be, where does the Lord have your two feet right now? Not where is it going to be in five or 10 years? You know, I'm a goal planner. I love to forward think. <laughs> but right now, today, where does the Lord have you? And how can you cultivate beautiful, wonderful things with what God's given you right now? Amen. I love that. Being a good yeah. steward of this garden. <laughs> it's beautiful. I'm grateful. Macy, it has been such a joy. Thank you so much for coming on. We just love you. We love your heart. Love your family, and um, just grateful, uh, grateful for your life and ministry. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It really was an honor. I was uh, very excited when you asked me to come on and, and just have a conversation. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You are, you're a baller. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Missy. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, guys. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website at womenwork.net for today's show notes. There will be more information about today's conversation there. And while you're there, we'd be honored for you to partner with us financially. If this podcast or really any of the content Women in Work produces has been a source of inspiration and encouragement to you. Women in Work is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all your donations are fully tax deductible. 
If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss another one, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also love for you to take a minute to rate and review our show so that more listeners can find us. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time. Thank you.